As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Shit Crazy, a podcast dedicated to all things strange and unusual, with your spirit guides Heather and Dylan who will take you to the other side. Subject matter featured on Batshit Crazy may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. This is Batshit Crazy and I'm Heather. <laughs> Call me maybe. And I'm a Disney princess today apparently. Oh, I thought you were Avril. I'm just singing all... All on the podcast. What's up, Big D? I'm just hanging out. How you doing? I'm doing great. How I are you? I am so excited to be back in the studio talking about all the batshit crazy things that are happening in the world, whether it's cults, unexplained, mysteries, or just a good old conspiracy theory, Dylan. Man, there, there seems to be more and more new stuff out there every day. And of course, we have all the classics that have been around for years. So we felt it was our duty, because we find it so very interesting, to get back on this. Back on this podcast, Batshit Crazy. We're going to get back on it, like we're Casey and the Sunshine Band or something. Yeah, exactly like that. That's what I was thinking. I'm going to get down on it. I'm going to get back on it. Speaking of strange stories, I saw one right before we started recording. You were reading a story? Yeah, with words and stuff. Whoa. There were no pictures in this article. Oh, no. Okay. Hit me Uh, with your best shot. A foot inside, still inside of a shoe was found floating in a thermal pool in Yellowstone National Park. The fuck? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, So apparently, my first thought is, oh my gosh, somebody's been killed or, you know, something's happened because... Like, how does the foot end up? First of all, first off, your first thought: How does the foot detach from the body? Right. That's definitely my first thought. Yes. And it and it was still in the shoe. It was still inside the and shoe. And it was still inside the shoe. So you're like, what the hell? That's nightmare fuel. Yep. So apparently, park officials are connecting the foot, the newly discovered foot, with someone who recently um, died. They found dead in one of the thermal pools. An accidental death? They're 
thinking it was accidental death. Because the, but the problem is, they saw the remains. They saw someone, a body floating in the pool. Now you have to keep in mind these are thermal pools, um, heated by steam from the Earth's, you know, crust, and all that. And they're also some of them are rather acidic, rather acidic. So they saw someone floating in the pool. Extra hot temperatures. Extra hot, two hundred degrees plus like temperatures. This floor is lava. What they describe as scalding hot water. Oof. Okay. Okay, and very acidic. Yeah, to, I don't uh, want to be anywhere near that fucking pool. No, I, I don't think I would get in within two hundred feet of this pool. No. So apparently, um, they saw a body. They knew the person was had expired, and but they could not get the body out because you have to uh they pointed out or they in the article said it's very dangerous around these pools even the uh, the uh shore if you want it, lack of a better word the shore the ground around the pools um can appear very solid but they're actually very brittle and basically just kind of grown out over the pool so you could fa- easily fall right in like the ice yeah and they they suspect that's what happened to this to this person, um, and he was actually found in a pool that was off limits to the public because it's known as one of the more dangerous areas in the park. And uh, they think that maybe he was trying to take a dip. Like people, some people have it in their heads like these are just uh, hot springs. Like, uh, you know, some people, uh, we have one near us. I know what a hot spring is, yeah. It's actually called hot springs, a therapeutic spring where you can go soak in the mineral waters. And I love it. Yeah, but it's these... one of my favorite spots. These are way beyond safe, and uh, this will actually kill you, cook your body. And uh, they returned the next day with more equipment, more people to retrieve the remains, and they were completely gone. And they sur- they surmised that the pool actually disintegrated the body overnight. Did and- you mention to me before we started recording that it was like 212 degrees or so? Yes. Whoa. That's yeah, hot. that's not going to be good for flesh. That's not going to be good for flesh. You throw, throw the, uh, the acidic nature of the water on top of that, being fed by steam constantly. This is literally like a boiling pot. Nothing good can come from this situation. No. And I think the only reason the foot was still intact is because it was inside of a synthetic shoe. Right? Interesting. Yeah. Just guessing. But they do not um, suspect foul play at this point. And it just sounds like a horrible accident. Someone going in an area they shouldn't be in and not being knowledgeable of the dangers around them. It's called situational awareness, people. That is quite tragic and also horrifying. And one other theory is that Bigfoot killed the man and tried to get rid of his body in the thermal springs. Okay, that's another theory being thrown around by me. By you. I was going to say that has to be a Dylan theory. (laughs) Right now. Okay. Uh, big conspiracy theorists like Sam Tripoli are going to be covering that soon on their podcast. Joe Rogan's going to have you on as a guest. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to go on Joe Rogan and sip like $500 whiskey and smoke blunts with him. Some Pappy Van Winkle. I don't know. Is and, that expensive liquor? Uh, okay. Oh, if I, oh, if, if you can't, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. Is that what you're telling me right now? Okay. We'll get you some Hennessy. Yeah. yeah we'll get you some Hennessy. Well, that's cognac, but I mean, you know. Well, I know. I'm just saying. It's you, Dylan. We'll get you some honey. Hey, I'll take some Maker's Mark. That's high as high shelf as I need to go. Okay? Okay. All right, so that was very strange. That is very strange. That was very strange. And also very scary. 
And yes. I, I don't want to be anywhere near like a thermal thermal pool. I don't want to be in an acid bath because that's how you you either die or you become a comic book villain. Or you're maimed for life. Right? The acid scares me. Acid's very scary. Very scary. A scurry. Ah, yes, but you have a strange story. Well, this week, batshit crazy, I'm going to tell you about the OG Gone Girl. Okay. The original. The first Gone Girl. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that old Miss Flynn developed her her film, her book, Gone Girl, from this story, but, you know, maybe. I don't know. Well, I'm not going to say this is a well-known story because it was not well-known to me, but when I started researching it, I was like, that's fucking cool. We need, and kind of is weird, we need to talk about it because we like to talk about weird shit. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. Are you familiar with the mystery writer Agatha Christie? I know who she is. I have never entertained any of her works. I did a scene from one of her plays many years ago, and I think it was called Three Blind Mice. Yes. Okay. I know that nursery rhyme. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, it's uh, like a short story that was written by Agatha Christie. Um, I don't know how or whatever, but like I had a theater teacher that had like sort of turned it into a, I don't know if it's a play or if she had just kind of turned it into a play a bit, but we had a scene from that. Well, I think today it would be referred to as three visually impaired mice. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Just want to keep it straight. I appreciate that. Anywho, I'm not a big Agatha Christie fan. Maybe if I read some of her work, I would be into it. But still, this is a cool story, Dylan. Agatha Mary Clarissa Miller was born on September 15th of 1890 in Torquay, Devon, which is in England. So don't mistake that with Torquay, Devon, Minnesota. It's not the same place. To an English mother and American father. A bright, happy child, she developed an interest in books at an early age and had learned to read by the time she was four, devouring children's authors Mrs. Molesworth and Edith Nesbitt. Those were her favorites. Later, she moved on to the works of Lewis Carroll, Charles Dickens, and Alexander Dumas. However, Agatha's idyllic life was brought to an abrupt end in 1901. Her beloved father died, leaving Agatha depressed and the family in financial ruin. Agatha was 11 years old. In later years, she would describe her father's death as the end of her childhood, the end of innocence. And that makes sense. Any huge, big, traumatic event is going to leave a mark on you. I think Absolutely. even possibly even more so or in different ways if you are quite young. Yeah, I mean, I think you, uh, you know, we all have these turning points in life where we develop into um, teenager or even adult. But it's like that turning point when you do lose innocence and you kind of know things will never be the same after this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like before that, you're just a kid, you're playing, you don't even think about any of these things. You just do your thing as a kid. You know, do what you know. Listen to your parents, but you you you're not concerned, or you don't give any thought to a lot of things, bigger issues in life. But once you cross that threshold, you can't go back. Agatha wasn't the first writer in her family to find success. Dylan, her older sister Margaret, had already begun publishing um, several articles in Vanity Fair before Agatha ever wrote anything worthy of publication. 
So it runs in the blood. This talent for writing. I think you could be a good writer. It was Margaret who first convinced the young Agatha that she might have something um, as far as talent goes and that she should really hone in on her writing skills. In the meantime, Agatha was focusing on social activities as a teenager, attending parties, dances, horseback riding, and roller skating. She had a number of boyfriends and a brief engagement. Then in October of 1912, she was introduced to Archibald Archie Christie at a dance given by Lord and Lady Clifford. (laughs) At the Clifford Manor. At the Clifford Estate. So yeah, she meets Archie. He was the son of a barrister and was also a dashing army officer who had just been seconded to the newly formed Royal Flying Corps. The attraction was instant. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I think even to this day, uh, fodder pilots are, you know, are kind of uh, intriguing to the public. And uh, you think women kind of find that sexy? I think men and women both find that sexy. They do. That's the why Iceman. That's why Top Gun. Maverick. Exactly. Did so well because, I, well, it's a very small group of people who do this. They're they're an elite group. Elite. And it is very, um, it's yeah, it's incredible what they do, right? And it would be no different in the 1912 version to, than today because that technology is going to seem cutting edge, right? Well, men in uniform, meow, right? Especially when they're oiled up with their toned bodies. What? Out on a beach playing volleyball. Are they just randomly oiled? Old? Maverick they, and Iceman are. Yeah, well, they, they, they oiled each other up. So that's okay. the difference there. Oh, that's okay. Okay. Val Kilmer can oil me up any day. Okay? He breads my butter or butters my bread. Whatever we're going to say. He breeds your butter. He does. He churns my butter. How's okay, that? Okay. So yeah. he, Archie's off to be a fighter pilot, Right. Basically. So he's, he's hot. He's in the uniform and she's swooning. Three months after their first meeting, Archie proposed and Agatha said yes. So we've got like this whirlwind romance happening. They were married on Christmas Eve of 1914. It was also during the Great War that Agatha Christie penned her first novel, The Mysterious Affair at Styles, introducing the world to one of the greatest literary detectives, Hercule Perrault. Wow. <laughs> you done good. The character was said to have been inspired by the Belgian refugees who fled across the Channel to England when the Germans invaded their country. However, the book did not find immediate success. Her original manuscript was rejected by Hoder and Stoughton and also by Methuen, which are big publishing companies at the time. It was later accepted by Bodley Head, who signed the budding author to a five-book deal. That was in 1920, shortly after the birth of Agatha's only child, a daughter named Rosalind. A second novel was published in 1922 and a third in 1923, meeting modest success. Agatha Christie was starting to make a name for herself. After living in a series of London apartments, she had earned enough money to buy a house in Sunningdale, Berkshire. She named it Styles after the title of her first novel, which I think is kind of cute. Yeah, I'd say during this time, the publishing houses had uh, quite a bit of power, wouldn't you think? Absolutely. I mean, that was the... Um, Probably one of the great forms of entertainment at the time. And yeah, and one of the strongest forms of media, exactly. obviously, besides newspapers and things. 
But while her writing career was gaining some success, cracks were beginning to appear in Agatha Christie's marriage. The problem, as it so often is with marital issues, Dylan, was money. Oh, I thought you were going to say women. (laughs) It was a joke. Did I mention we also have a true crime podcast? And this week, the case will be featuring a man named Dylan Packer. Oh, wow. I wonder how I'm killed. Yeah. Yeah. No, but uh, finances, I think it's one of the one of the cornerstones of any relationship. And when they go south, it's going to cause problems. Agatha was frugal by nature, and Archie was not. He wanted to live more lavishly. She wanted to keep a strict budget and save their money. Arguments became more frequent. In the midst of all of this, Agatha's mother, Clarissa Miller, died in April of 1926, sending her into a deep depression. Grief-stricken, unhappy with marriage, and under pressure to keep producing popular books, Agatha suffered a breakdown in August of 1926 and went to Baritz, France, to rest. She stayed for a month and returned to even more distressing news. You know, even back then, people took their mental health and things, I think, more seriously than we even do nowadays. We're just now starting to get back around to... Um, when you're overly stressed and stuff, you know, people are, will take days off from work or just say I'm taking a mental health day. And it could just maybe be a European thing because they don't play around with that stuff. You know, they will uh, go on sabbatical and, and go on, you know, a month-long vacations even today and just, you know, chill out and, and get away from the stress. I would like to go on a sabbatical um, without you. Yeah. Because you were the main cause of my stress. Well, you know. I think we both would rest easier. That sounds great. (laughs) Okay. Archie informed her that he had fallen in love with his secretary, a woman named Nancy Neal. As soon as she got back. And asked for divorce. (sighs) Damn it, Archie. Not good timing, Arch. No, I just got back and telling you how chilled out I am. I've been at some sanatorium. Is that the health ones? And uh, just been chilling and living it up. And as soon as I get back, you fuck up my groove, dude. This is how Agatha tried to get her groove back. Right? Yeah. Fucking Archie. She should have went to Jamaica. Stunned by the confession, Agatha refused. Hell no, you won't get a divorce from me. Okay. Right. She was like, oh, hell no. So over the months that followed, the household was filled with tension and biting. On the evening of Friday, December 3rd of 1926, Archie told his wife that he was going to spend the weekend with friends. You know, with friends, Dylan. Friends. Yeah. Like, I trust you because you just told me you met someone else and wanted a divorce, so whatevs. We know where he's spending the weekend. Up in Nancy Neal. <laughs> okay. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. Damn, you know it's true. He departed soon after. At around 9.30 p.m. that same night, Agatha tucked her seven-year-old daughter, Rosalind, into bed and kissed her. Then she got into her Morris Cowley car and drove away from her Berkshire home. Agatha Christie was reported missing the next day by her secretary. Although she had not yet been gone 24 hours, there were concerns over her state of mind. Agatha adored her daughter and... It was totally out of character for her to leave the child home alone, even if there was a housekeeper that would be there to take care of her. 
A search was launched immediately with 1,000 police officers and as many as 15,000 volunteers scouring the surrounding countryside. Oh my God. Massive search. That may be the largest search I've ever heard described in, in history. It was one of the largest manhunts in English history, for sure. Meanwhile, a small group of aircraft, or would I say British history? Anyway, meanwhile, a small group of aircraft even scoured the ground from above the first time they'd ever been used for this purpose. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Which is interesting, right? Yeah, well, it shows you how new the aircraft still was. The story also broke in the news with a tip line number published to receive leads from the public. The Home Secretary, William Joinson Hicks, urged the police to make haste in finding the missing author. Two of Britain's most popular crime writers, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and Dorothy L. Sayers, were drawn into the search. Law enforcement hoped their specialist knowledge of criminology oh, no. might help find Christy faster. Oh, my God. You know what they, they uh, asked Sir Arthur, Arthur Conan Doyle, right? What Sherlock would think about this case. What would Sherlock Holmes do? Yes. Exactly. Despite the comprehensive searches by authorities, though, 48 hours passed with no sign of the missing author. Then it's, I guess it was around 8 a.m. on the morning of December 6th, came a discovery. Agatha's two-seater, Morris Cowley, was found abandoned on the edge of a chalk quarry, the front wheels hanging over the precipice known as Newlands Corner near Guilford. Oh, wow. I can visually... Yeah. Like, imagine this car just hanging over the edge. Even what it looks like, kind of. Right? And I'm probably totally wrong as far as the model goes. <laughs> I know, I'm going <laughs> to look it up. But it's something they would drive in the Great Gatsby or something. It was positioned along a thick hedge that had prevented the car from plunging down the steep slope. So it is just like barely hanging on here. Inside the car on the passenger seat, a small suitcase and Agatha's coat were found. Troubled by this, law enforcement grew more concerned because it had been a very cold winter. Where would she have gone without protection from the elements? And why would she not take her coat with her, right? Well, yeah, and what's she doing hanging on a cliff, her car hanging on a cliff at a a chalk quarry? The discovery of the abandoned vehicle threw the press into a frenzy. Agatha Christie was not yet the literary giant that she would later become, but she was an up-and-coming writer. And the irony of a mystery writer disappearing under such strange circumstances was sensational. I would say that's what drove the story. 
The news was even gaining international attention, appearing on the front page of the New York Times. Speculation was that the author, overcome by recent troubles, had decided to end things. Others suggested that it was all a publicity stunt to promote her latest book. If that was the case, it was working. The murder of Roger Ackroyd was flying off the bookshelves. Yet another theory was that Agatha had been murdered, with the most likely suspect to be her husband, Archie. Well, yeah, especially if uh, any of her friends or family knows that he admitted he had a mis- you know had a mistress and wanted a divorce. That's that's pretty strong motive, right? Yeah. And she refused the divorce. Yes. Okay. I reject your divorce. <laughs> I will not consent to this divorce. But Agatha, How- I don't love you. However, Archie's brother had a letter that he claimed to have received from Agatha in the time like since her disappearance. He handed it over to police. Agatha detailed in the letter that she was feeling unwell and had decided to go to a spa in Yorkshire. The writing appeared to be Agatha's, but the police were unconvinced. How convenient that the brother of their chief suspect just happened to have received a letter from Agatha. And the police just were not buying this, Dylan. Well, yeah, why would she feel that she needs to inform him? You know what I mean? First, there was the position of her car. And why would she have wandered off without a winter coat, right? Why would she have abandoned her seven-year-old daughter? The search continued, and they even brought in tracking dogs. Agatha's Airedale Terrier, named Peter, was included in the search. Peter? Yeah, I don't know why, but I found that very odd that, yeah, I don't know. Who you names know, their dog fucking Peter? They were unaware of her nickname, Two Coats. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a little known. It's not known to many, but... But Peter knew. Peter knew. <laughs> Peter the dog. Some bitch got in her coat. Peter the dog. That's such an English... That's like such an English, like, British name for a dog, right? Peter. Peter. Stop umping me leg. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I just can't stop. I love it. The dog whined pitifully when sniffing around his owner's car, and this was taken as a bad omen. Doyle, a strong believer, now remember this is Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, yeah. the writer, he was a strong believer in the supernatural, and he suggested that the police consult a psychic. He even went one step further, Dylan, bringing one of Agatha's gloves to the medium. Oh, so he's going to make it happen either way. Yes, but it didn't help. On December 11th, eight days since Agatha's disappearance, the police finally thought they uncovered a substantial lead. It turned out that Agatha had not simply walked away in the middle of the night. She had actually written three letters before her departure. The first of those was, of course, the one addressed to her brother-in-law, which police already had in their possession. The second was to Archie, but he refused to hand it over, saying that it was too personal and that it contained nothing that could help authorities find his wife. The third had been addressed to Agatha's secretary. Hopes were high that it might contain some clue as to her whereabouts. Or even uh, give an idea of her state of mind before she disappeared, so it could be very important. Unfortunately, the letter to the secretary was no more than a list of like administrative instructions. A list of, this is what I need you to do for me. 
Ah, so basic, mundane. Another dead end. Typical thing you might send your secretary. Four more days passed, and by now the fear was high that something had happened to the writer. The general consensus was that Agatha was dead, probably by her own hand. The police weren't looking for a living woman anymore. They were now looking for a body. Journalists speculated that the writer had drowned herself. Yeah, see, I was wondering if this quarry was, you know, how they'll end up abandoned or unused anymore and they, they typically fill it with water because it's a big hole in the ground. Right, and I'm not sure about that detail, right. but it made me think since journalists were speculating that she had drowned. And her car's on the edge of that this. Yeah, was the case. Yeah. That and there was either the wa- the quarry was filled with water or there was some type of a water nearby. And there's something really creepy about these uh, uh, quarries, abandoned quarries, when they're full of water. I, I guess because it's man-made. There's the a big sh- quarry over in Knoxville. Yeah. Where people, I guess, do a lot of swimming. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks cool, but it does kind of weird me out a little it, it's, bit. I don't know what it is, but it really creeps me out. Yeah. Just uh, maybe it's the lines, but it, you know it's man-made. But And I think they're typically very, very deep, which is kind of disconcerting. Yeah, a little bit. Like, uh, like the lakes in our mountains. Very deep. Then, Dylan, out of the blue, the mystery just seemed to resolve itself. In what form? On December 15th, a man named Bob... Bob Tapin called the police and reported that he had spotted Agatha at the Old Swan Hotel, which was an expl- um, like a pretty exclusive spa in Yorkshire, which catered to the rich and famous. To the police, this seemed like a stretch because they were thinking, like, how is it possible that this well-known author could go unnoticed in this public place for a long time while the search is underway for her? This huge search, everyone's talking about it. So at the very least, employees of the spa, somebody would be like, hey, she's here, guys. It's okay. Nonetheless, they had to check it out. And so a couple of detectives were sent to the spa. The name Agatha Christie did not appear in the register, but there was a Mrs. Teresa Neal of Cape Town, South Africa. Spa employees said Neal resembled Christie when they were shown a photo. And that this was the woman who had um, been seen by Bob Tapin that had reported it. Still, the police weren't sure, and so they came up with a plan that might have been straight out of one of her novels, okay? They brought in Archie, had him sit in the dining room, and await the arrival of this Mrs. Neal. Then he could observe her from afar and determine if this was his missing wife. Archie already felt... He knew the answer. It had escaped no one's attention that the mystery guest was registered as Neil, the same name as Archie's mistress. Oh, so he's thinking it is her. Possibly. Still. And, and it's I'm, I'm surprised that the authorities are going through all this. Like, can they not just literally take a look around the place? and and Or is it just somewhere where the public comes to enjoy the spa and then leaves? Is that what the deal is? Well, it seems like it was an inn. Yeah, I know. So it seems to me like you could literally do a, do a search. But it wouldn't be a wacky story if we just did that. <laughs> well, that's true. So they come up with this plan. This, like, like you said, straight out of one of it's her books. Like the police, the detectives, want to be in a mystery story. Oh, it's almost like they're crafting this and being creative because of it. it's her. She has some notoriety as a mystery writer. 
they're kind of getting caught up in the story. Exactly. Okay. They've been hanging out with Sherlock Holmes all day. Should they've been advised by Sherlock Holmes. Right. And Dr. Watson. Yeah. Nice. Archie took his place at the table and waited. He recognized Agatha the minute she walked in. She, however, did not appear to recognize him. She walked right past without batting an eye, took a seat at a different table, and started reading a newspaper, which featured a story about her disappearance on the front page. You can't make this up. I'm not making it up. This is for reals. This is like Miss Jackson. I am for reals. You know what I'm saying? No, you can't do that. Uh-huh. No, I'm not going to allow that I can do one. whatever I want. Nope. Archie then walked over and started speaking to her. Agatha showed no recognition of this man, though she had been married to him for nearly 12 years. The mystery of Agatha Christie's disappearance was solved. The police theorized that Agatha had left home intending to drive to London, but had crashed her car. She then walked to a nearby station and boarded a train to this area and then checked into the Old Swan Hotel. Oddly, no one had recognized her in the nearly two weeks she had stayed there. This was even stranger given that Agatha was hardly keeping a low profile. Guests who were staying at the hotel at the time described her as being very chatty and friendly. According to Agatha, she had a form of amnesia. Ah. Just didn't remember a damn thing. I do not remember my philandering husband, Archibald. Doctors who examined Christy in the aftermath of the missing 11 days were convinced that she was indeed suffering from amnesia and that it was genuine. They described a fugue state brought on by trauma and or depression in which the sufferer adopts a new personality. In such a state, it is quite possible that Agatha would have failed to recognize her own photograph in the newspaper. It was also considered significant that Agatha had registered at the hotel under the name of her husband's mistress. It um, kind of gave a clue to these doctors that this could have possibly been the catalyst for her condition. This and traumatic affair. I can only imagine the test and all that that they used to come up with this or to say, yeah, we believe it's real because there wasn't a whole lot there as far as medical science goes. There's not going to be any imaging of the brain or, you know, any of that. So basically, it's just going to be opinion and what she's saying and just looking at the few facts that they have at hand. Wouldn't you think that would be about as far as it goes? Her husband's infidelity coming in the wake of her mother's death and then exacerbated by the pressures of work had likely pushed this woman over the edge. Agatha and Archie Christie ended up divorcing in 1928. Two years later, in 1930, Agatha wed Max Malawan, a prominent archaeologist who was 13 years younger. Oh. Yeah. They would remain happily married until her death in 1976. And by then, Agatha Christie was established as one of the most successful novelists of all time. Dylan, Agatha Christie was the OG Gone Girl. Well, it sounds like it. So in your studies and research, did you ever see her address Never. this period no, anymore? No, until really? her death, she held firm. I had. I don't know what happened. She didn't know what happened, and she was suffering from amnesia. And some kind of a fugue state. Almost like something she could have written in one exactly. of her books. Oh, my gosh. What do you think? That's wild. 
I mean, I guess it's possible to have some kind of uh, traumatic mental issue and have a break from reality. You know what I mean? Possibly. But she recovered and she kind of was still an author and even got better and became even bigger. It's not like she came back and never wrote another book or just acted, didn't have any of the um, interest that she had before and things like that. So uh, I don't know. So what do you think? Do you think it was truly a fugue state or some mental issue? Or no. do you think she was bullshitting? I think she was bullshitting. I think she might have been bullshitting. I think she was bullshitting, bro. I think she wanted to make Archie's butthole pucker a little bit. She wanted Archie sweating it out, yep. right? Then everybody's looking at him like, we know you killed your wife. Yep. So it makes him look like the shipper that he is, right? Ah, and so- she's getting publicity. That's why and she sends the letter to his brother, because it's odd. There's no such thing as bad publicity, right? People's, people are going to talk about the fact the brother comes up with uh, the letter explaining where she's at. And they're Leaving the car in the strange... Staging. Position, yes. The car. Oh my gosh, and then just chilling at a spa. Using... The girlfriend's last name. As like a breadcrumb trail to find her. <laughs> so they can find her and she can be like, what are y'all talking about? I don't know what you mean. Yeah. Holy. And then she just gets to play like a character. Know. Yeah. In one of her books. Yeah. I think that might be the most likely explanation. And it was, you know, it probably taught Archie a bit of a lesson. Yeah, that you don't fuck with her. You don't fuck with the Gone Girl. No. Like Ben Affleck learned his lesson. Man, she she yeah, that girl was mean though. She trying to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was such a fucking weird story, and that we had to talk about it here on Bash It Crazy. It's a it's a very strange story. It certainly is, and I think this was the right forum to discuss it. And uh, yeah. I'll be thinking about this all evening. Think about it. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna soak it up. I'm gonna soak it Marinate up. Marinate it until your little fingers are pruny. I'm gonna get a damn biscuit and I'm gonna sop it up. Yeah. Yeah. The Do that. Biscuit sop. Yeah. Clean that plate. Just take in the gravy, baby. I'm gonna lick it's it. Gravy, baby. When I get Do done. It. Yeah. That's when you know it's good food when you're holding a plate at mouth level and you're just shoveling off the side. And you're already thinking, I'm going to lick this fucking plate when I get done. Yeah. But what you do is you go in the kitchen and hide where you're you're not going to be seen. I don't. <laughs> you don't. No. She doesn't care if she's in a restaurant. I don't care. <laughs> she's be slurping. You looking at something? Oh, man. You ever had the people that finish the drink with a straw and they know they're out of drink. <laughs> but they give it a, one more again with the big slurpy and you know they're not getting anything. They're not even getting ice water at that point. Because it hasn't been long enough for the ice to deteriorate. I don't know about those people. Is that like a pet peeve? I don't trust those people. I have a pet peeve with people who slurp their soup. What the fuck is up with the soup slurpers? No, I'm serious. Every time? Like, where did you even start that? Like, here or there, you might get a little slurp in, right? Yeah, yeah. But not every spoonful. You know when slurping's permissible? When you're figuring out the consistency of the soup, your first two or three spoonfuls, or the temperature, maybe it's a little hot. Right? That's you're the only. Sure, you're unsure. Yeah. You're unclear. But if you slurp every single spoonful, the entire bowl, then that's intentional. And I don't know why you need to feel like you're a center of attention and why you're like a little attention whore. I'm gonna create a new conspiracy theory. 
that oh. people who slurp their soup okay. are reptilians. I, I knew it. I knew you were going to say that that's because true. I've had that same feeling. They've got their little tongues out and they're like... Yeah. They're, that's how they're used. They just watch Zuck drink water at the congressional Can you imagine hearings. how Mark Zuckerberg eats soup? The baby soup made out of babies? No, I can't. And then he like has to smear all the sunscreen on and go um, rehydrate in the ocean? Yeah. Piece of shit. Yeah. What a piece of shit. So next time you see someone slurping their soup, yeah, they're a reptilian. You heard it here. That's why his business decisions don't crazy. make any sense because he is a reptile. And, and reptile. Tillian businessmen are known for strange decisions. It's true. And slurping. And slurping their fucking soup. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. I think that's enough. We'll put our brains to rest for now. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Batshit Crazy. Yes. And like Heather did mention, if you have not followed us around our various podcasts, we do have a true crime podcast. And if you are a true crime fan, we'd love for you to check that out. It is Mountain Murders. Exactly. Y'all. All right, until next week. We'll keep being weird. We will? Yeah, i, I got to come up with a slogan for this. I'm yeah. still trying to figure it out. Yeah. Stay funky. Do that. Yeah. Keep your feet stinking. What? Are these going to work? No. These are going to be t-shirts. Our merch will be available in the near future. Keep your feet stinky, batshit crazy podcast. Keep slurping. Keep slurping. That might could work on a hat. Okay, bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.